Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friday's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky joined right now. Look at that. By Anthony Irwin. Can we hear you, hey, Anthony? Hey, hey, Anthony. How are you? I'm hanging. I was like are right before. It's just that kids are so good at this, right? They Right before uh, you know you're supposed to go on, <laughs> Avery <laughs> decides right then, hey, you know what we should do is wake up. And I, I was going to say, it, it, it is way past that child's bedtime. Like, I, I don't want to tell you guys how to parent, but right. my God. Oh, no, please do. Obviously not doing it very well. What you do, Anthony, is you look your wife square in the eye and you say, handle this. Oh, yes. Yeah. Handle your child. <laughs> I was like, so I'm. I we just kind of got her to calm down. She's hanging out. And as I'm walking in here, I tell I tell Jen, hey, um, by the way, you know, I could send you the link and you can tune in if you want. She's like, I'd listen to you all day, every day. Oh, this is the least thing. I'm, <laughs> the thing I'm least interested in doing is listening to you talk more. The my, my wife actually, who are least interested in in me. Well, I did Spectrum tonight. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody watched. I, you know, when I'm on the radio, nobody listens. My my wife. Actually, <laughs> I listen all the time, Brian. Well, thanks. It was Every funny. Time. On, on on one hand, my my wife recently because I was on uh, Spectrum last week. Um, she did like a little. I, I guess it was like a little Instagram video or something that she put on Facebook, or it's a Facebook story. I'm I'm not sure, but either way, um, it was of, of me on TV. And on one hand, on one hand, she's showing me off on TV, which was very nice. Uh-huh. On the other hand, though, there was the caption of "We all have to be incredibly quiet because your husband's on TV." It's like. <laughs> I'm not, quite sure. I'm not quite sure if this is oh look at my husband or oh look at my husband inconvenience the whole house. That's <laughs> that's like the humble brag of oh, that's like an incredible humble brag though, right? Like it's like a low key flex where you're saying, "Hey, my husband's on TV." Shucks, it's such a it, it puts us out so tough. <laughs> well, it, I mean, both. On one hand, it's kind of a humble brag. On the other hand, it's a it's a it's a little bit, a bit of a humility towards me, yeah. Because again, I'm inconveniencing the house, so it's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, so if you don't know, Anthony Irwin, of course, is the host of the Locked On Lakers podcast, which you can hear literally every day, like pretty much. Yeah. Like, when do you not record? Or like, basically, like public holidays? Is that basically it? <laughs> no, it's a. I record Sunday through Thursday, and then they air Monday through Friday, and then. You know, if the if the the occasional trade happens on on the weekend, then I got to hop on there and do an emergency show. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, basically, what it means is that I'm live streaming at all times. Anytime I have a Laker thought, it goes directly to the pod stream. <laughs> I've actually embedded a chip in my brain <laughs> that, that takes me straight to the Wi-Fi. So, what yeah. do you do? What do you do? What do you what do uh, the the Lakers fans that follow you do on a night like tonight, where the lake where the where the Lakers aren't playing, but the Celtics and 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 uh, Clippers are playing each other? Mm-hmm. Well, I wager, um, you know, friendly few doll hairs. Uh, here and there to 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 make me lean one way or the other and yeah i mean for for the most part it's it's what what outcome produces the funniest jokes right <laughs> so so if if 
you know, in this one, it's kind of tough because Paul George wound up not playing. I swear to God, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For the purposes of comedy, I, it feels like you were a little bit hamstrung. It felt like you were trying to entertain with one hand tied behind your back, Anthony. Little, little. But like, if if Paul George had played then the the outcome that you root for just for the jokes is for the Celtics to to win, right? Because the Celtics playing shorthanded, beating the Clippers at essentially full strength means we get to dunk on the Clippers again. That's, that's, that's always really fun. Uh, now, if I were to say that to Pete and say that in any way, shape, or form, I was rooting for the Celtics in, in any hypothetical, he would refuse to do the next few shows with me. And and or or the next few shows like the topic would be how much I I love the Celtics, um, but for the most part, you know, it in this case the Celtics I believe they won yeah they they <laughs> they wind up winning and you know now that the joke is what I don't I don't really know what the what the, what the joke would be to produce against two teams that were essentially playing shorthanded. Yeah, I mean, is there any? By the way, just as a side note, anybody who's ever destined to, you know, like better suited to go work for the Lakers than Pete? <laughs> no, I mean, like it, was, just, it, it is. It is the ring is complete. Well, he his dad, I believe, worked KCAL before. You know, he was he was in he was in he did you know sound or something like that. He was in the uh, in the in the uh, truck. Working with KCAL when when Chick Hearn was doing his thing with with KCAL. So oh, I, I remember that it was Lakers Sound Room back, <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, right. It was it, exactly <laughs> my it's first so introduction cool. to Lakers. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't realize the two of them were related. Yeah. Uh, so what I mean, you in Lakers fans? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, sound fans? Do I sound okay? Like you know. So yeah, I I I think it's it's the kind of thing that he's it's he's so. I remember the day that he, you know, first told me that this was potentially in the works and it was like the most proud I have ever seen anybody. And, uh, I'm a father. So like my parents, <laughs> my so, parents, by the way, so is he. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so he was just, he was so, he was so ecstatic about it. And, and the thing that, you know, he keeps on talking about is, you know, I always used to give him a hard time because in media, we're not really, it's kind of taboo to say we about the team that you're covering. Right. So instead of, you know, when the Lakers do something, Oh, well we shouldn't have done that. Right. And, and I've always, he's always kind of gotten a hard time for, for saying that. And then once he now works for the Lakers and he can literally say we, whenever he wants. And I, I just thought like that was the best day ever for him because now he can't, he can't be the butt of that joke anymore. Yeah, I feel like John Ireland was really the one who like made that true. The idea of once I work for the team, I will always refer <laughs> to them as a we thing, even yeah. though I'm pretty sure John was doing that like while he was employed by the Clippers. He was referring <laughs> to the Lakers as we. <laughs> well, I, I, I make it I make a point to try to avoid the we thing because it is like, look, mm -hmm. I am not on the team. Like not yeah. we, we I nothing I do. Look at me. I am not capable of being. <laughs> we, we can pull up the video, the Eurostep video. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, nothing I do has even the slightest bit of influence on anything that ever happens in El Segundo. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I try to make that very clear. Um, if they hired me, I'd, I'd be a we in a heartbeat. Like you, you cut me a check. <laughs> Absolutely. You put me yeah, on the absolutely. payroll. I'll be your yeah. we. I, I, I would, I would capitalize we, you know, <laughs> but, but so, I, would, I mean, 
if, yeah, if go you're, for it. If, I, I was just going to say, I mean, if if you're somebody who's been associated with a team for a long time in terms of media coverage, like, like Brian and I, for example, we've been covering the Lakers for quite a while. And I don't think we do it in a way that's totally homery, even though like I've made it very open that I've been a Laker fan for a long time. I was a Laker fan before I ever started doing this. Can we get away with referring to the team or what they do as we? I'm not even saying we should or should. I'm just saying like at this point, if people know we're not doing it in a totally Homer coverage type of way. Like if it just feels easier or just you're just including us all in one big ride for the season. Like, is it okay to actually ever pull the we? I Can do you the do hypothetical that? we all the time, right? Where, where, you know, but, but I don't know. I try to avoid it also. It's just more of, I think it's a preference thing. I, I We've reached the point where the facade of, complete and utter objectivity like we all know that it's impossible right if <laughs> well it's the, the dirtiest secret is you're not you're really supposed to be like i like part yeah. of our jobs is to say what we think is happening like you, you know mm -hmm. the idea is isn't that you i mean you could do whatever you want but you try to be like truthful to people and stuff but yeah i mean we're some kind of it's the job description to not be objective yeah well i just think be honest you know, I, I, you know, I, cause what you run into, if you, if you try to overcorrect, nobody's going to pay attention to you. Mm -hmm. So you're, it's not like Celtics fans are going to be like, oh yeah, I like that guy who covers the clip, the, the Lakers, that guy does good stuff. Cause chances are, if you're doing that, you're not probably particularly comfortable with the Laker fan base and who's probably going to be paying the bills here, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. but, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I've always, I've, strive to you know just basically tell people i i grew up in southern california uh my first one a couple of my first words as a kid were go dodgers uh it was it sounded more like go dados i believe my parents <laughs> have that <laughs> that video uh so i i grew up a dodgers fan i grew up a lakers fan there's i know my parents have video of me playing basketball in the uh, in the garage and pretending to be Chick Hearn announced me playing on the Lakers and like Pat, you know, Anthony Irwin passes to Sedale's three, three passes back to Anthony Irwin. Ir Irwin looks in the shot, you know, and, and how, did, like, how did Chick just, call your uh, Eurostep layup? Don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Muster out the hot dog. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we were, you know, but in, in, in this though, the 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 one place I will kind of push back on is when people say like oh he's not a true fan he's you know he's he's not that that shouldn't impact my coverage at all you know I'm I'm just being honest if I when the Lakers were terrible for the first seven years of my covering them I had to say that they were terrible and that they kept falling on their face well, and I, that look, the, you can only sugarcoat like 19 win <laughs> seasons to a certain like you can <laughs> talk those about 19 the were incredible it's like. It's like, you know, there, there's only so because Andy and I, you know, we've, you know, we, we were not, all, you know, we weren't number one on the list, but we weren't at the bottom. Like people weren't always happy with the coverage that we put out in, in, uh, at the, you know, with the, with the station after games mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And my attitude was always like, we're doing the best we can. Like, I'm not going out of my way to vilify the organization. I know how this works. Like, you mm -hmm. know, they're a partner. I get it. But, you gotta win a few more games. <laughs> help me, help you. <laughs> help me, like, help I'm you. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm not a negative. I am not 
a person who likes to wallow in like negativity in sports. And that's gotten much more so as I've gotten older. I want to talk about happy things and mm -hmm. good. Like the Lakers sucking was bad for everyone, including my employer. So yeah. like, like I, that's people have said that all the time. You guys love it when the Lakers suck. Do you know where I work? No, I do not. Well, like the Lakers pay our bills. No, I do not like it when they suck. And so, <laughs> help me, help me, help you by winning. It's easy now. They yeah, LeBron, well, they got AD. I bring me back. I can be very optimistic now. It's funny that you mention you know those down years and the the whole corporate partner thing. Like I, I do think some of why. Locked on Lakers in its infancy was as popular as it became was because when people tuned in, there was zero filter. There was zero like if if they if I didn't think Byron Scott was doing a very good job, I was just going to say Byron Scott is doing a terrible job. What is Why is he playing for? Ronnie Price over D'Angelo Russell when the point of this whole season is developing D'Angelo Russell? You know, or Jordan Clarkson was an adult. Huh? <laughs> Do you have a filter now? <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> no, of course not. No, of course. Well, I think I think I've I've you know you, you you grow smarter with this. Like you're saying, as 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 the longer you spend in here, you realize that people do want to hear more positivity. You know, than than uh, especially with a team as good as this Lakers team is. If if you're sitting here picking nits with a team that could very likely win back to back championships, and and I would. I, I I've I've maintained that this is the most talented roster of my lifetime. Then you know if if you're going to go out there and say you know, but they won by 15, they could have won by 25 though. <laughs> you know, it, eventually people are going to really get sick of that. Yeah, I mean, I I always feel like when it comes to criticizing a team that that you cover, that people you know obviously people want to hear more positive coverage because typically that means your team is winning and people enjoy when their team's winning. But if the team isn't doing well, I think most fans don't want you to lie about it. I mean, some will get yeah. upset if, if you're being negative, but I think most want you to be honest. What they don't want to feel like is that you're criticizing for the sake of doing it or mm -hmm. criticizing because it, it it makes you come across like, you know, you're willing to say the stuff nobody else is. Like it starts becoming gratuitous. Yeah. But but I do feel like you know, and this, this is something, you know, Brian and I have, I think, experienced a lot just because we're often in front of the players and coaches that we talk about. Like dur during Byron's tenure with the team, you know, I was very open on air about how I didn't think his approach for some of what you were talking about, Anthony, in terms of like long term picture, if he wanted to have a long career coaching the Lakers, I didn't think a lot of it made sense. I never got on him at all about the team's record ever. Like I never got yeah, on him about losses. Team. Right. There, there was nothing he was going to do to make that team better. And I always made it clear. I don't hold the record against Byron at all. That would be unfair. There were some elements of his approach that I thought were counterproductive, but like Byron heard a lot of this stuff. And I know that because he and I always talked about it and he mm. was cool. Like Byron's been on this show before. Brian and I worked with Byron. He's a really good guy. And I think he understood, look, this is their opinion, Andy's opinion, whatever. I think they're wrong <laughs> and I don't have to agree <laughs> with it. And look, yeah. there's obviously certain stuff that Byron is going to be more of an expert on with that team. Like, Are you sure. <laughs> but I mean, but that's what I'm getting. What I'm getting at he, is he had an odd way of showing it, but but yeah. No, but, 
but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's always an element of feeling fraudulent with a lot of this stuff because, like, as much as I can feel like, okay, a criticism I have of what Byron or frankly any coach in this league is doing, I can feel like it's being rooted in something smart. But at the same time, like, the idea that I would ever know more about NBA basketball mm -hmm. than three time <laughs> champion Byron Scott is ridiculous. <laughs> like it's, I mean, in some, well, in some ways it's ridiculous. In some ways I think I can be saying something that's grounded, but to a certain degree, there, there is an element of ridiculousness to it that I, that I always found kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it, all you can do is offer up what you see and, yeah. and, and the analysis thereof, right? We've all watched basketball for long enough. Now, have we ever been involved with an NBA locker room where those decisions affect us or affect our ability to do our job? No, obviously not. But, you know, with that being the disclaimer in bright lights above us, you can still say it made zero sense whatsoever that Ronnie Price was getting minutes over Jordan Clarkson when, when Clarkson finished as a, I believe all NBA second team rookie or something like that, having only played like half of that year. And, and, and I, you know, I just think I understand where Byron was coming from and I totally get that he has forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know, but he also has his blind spots. He also sure. has his biases and he preferred the way that Ronnie Price played. He preferred, you know, he preferred a veteran who had been around the NBA for, for, you know, kind of bounced around worked hard on defense, worked hard in practice, was, was you know, was a quiet kind of go-about-your-business kind of guy. He preferred that to these young rookies, these these darn millennials who have no idea what they're doing and just believe they should be given everything. That's that's just coaching in general. I mean, coaches yeah. prefer predictability. Um, but, all right, so the, the the I would say the biggest news other than the, the Lakers just – Andy and I talked about this on the podcast – which dropped today, like the, the game they played last night should just scare the shit out of the rest of the league for all kinds of reasons. And we'll, we'll talk about that probably as the show goes on. The really the biggest news, though, I think is is LeBron and the All-Star game because, mm. you know, the, the Lakers have got two games against Oklahoma City this week. You got a game against Memphis. In theory, this is a, a you know, they're all at home a week where the Lakers should win a couple games. This all-star thing, though, has got some legs because if, if you somehow missed the news, LeBron basically said uh, that, that going out and playing this all-star game is monumentally stupid. He feels like he was lied to, um, mm -hmm. that the league said this wasn't going to happen, you know. uh, and that he will be there in body but not in spirit, which is a little presumptuous because he hasn't actually been named to the team yet. I don't you know. <laughs> but... Um, I the, you rarely see LeBron step out of line in terms of like what sort of the league. I mean, he'll express an opinion, but I think he tries very hard, knowing who he is, to find common ground with the league. Um, he's not doing it here, and it's going to mm -hmm. give a lot of freedom to a lot of players to say exactly the same thing. It already has, right? It has, yeah. but like it would not shock me if you start to see a lot of pileup. So start here, Anthony. Before we get to whether is LeBron correct, mm -hmm. what do you think happens uh, because of what LeBron is talking about? 
It's fascinating. He's the loudest room in every room. He, he's the loudest voice in every room he's going to be in. Loudest he's the loudest room, room in every room. voice. Yeah. You know, it's like a Russian, like a Russian <laughs> nesting doll of rooms. But he's, he's the loudest room in every room. In, in Russia, room voices you. <laughs> um, but, but the, the thing with LeBron is he's always, so he, the only time I can really remember him not, being measured was when they first talked about fans not being in the stands right at the very beginning of COVID as, as, as we saw it at that time. Right. And they were saying, well, we're going to play these games and they're going to be in empty arenas. And he said, the reason I do this is to, you know, to, to get the fans going and, and, and entertain those fans that are in the stands and stuff. And then he very quickly walked that back. Right. But I think the difference here is that he walked that back because it was the societally smart thing to do to recognize that, Hey, we got to be smarter about this and we can't push for this thing that the science does not back up. It, it's the science at no point during COVID has been, Hey, we should just pack everybody in this building because LeBron wants to entertain a bunch of fans. So it was easy for him to walk that back because it was the right stance to take in this one. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting here because uh, it's still the right take what he's saying. I, I still think he's he's correct in saying that this is a really dumb thing to do. We've uh, we saw the debacle with Kevin Durant uh, just tonight uh, with with how COVID is going, but it's it's also they aren't going to have fans in the stands, and this is probably the right you know monetarily speaking the right thing to do for the league. So is he going to continue to be an ambassador for the league, or is he going to? you know, kind of stand by what's best for him and his team. And and this is the first time we're really seeing those things kind of butt heads against each other. So how he handles that is going to be really interesting because he's also kind of sort of throwing Chris Paul under the bus because apparently, you know, according to reports that I've seen, Chris Paul is the one who's really pushing for this on in, in from the players union. Obviously owners or governors want it because it helps their pockets. Well, I was okay. interested from the player side where that's coming from. And it seems, based on some of the stuff well, I've been reading, it might be coming from Paul. Well, here's the thing, though. You have to remember, Chris Paul is representing the entire league. Mm -hmm. And the overwhelming majority of the players in the league don't get affected by there being an all-star game one way or the other. So a lot of them may be in favor of having an all-star game yeah. and getting that extra chunk of revenue because they're going to mm -hmm. go on vacation anyway. Like, right. it's, it's really and, – and by the way, I mean – I think Chris Paul will end up making the team, but it's not a given that he'll be there. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he's making this decision because he he doesn't think it'll affect him anyway. Adios, boys. Well, no, but I'm saying I don't know if Chris Paul is like the head of the Players Association has to go either way. Like, I, I literally don't know. I suspect he's there. Right. I mean, so he it, he may be affected regardless. But, you know, it's, it's similar to how when the league was debating the bubble and all the – in the Players Association – you know, they they had to weigh in on whether or not they do this. I was like, I guarantee you're going to get the buy-in from players because the majority of them either aren't going to have to go in the first place or know that they're going to get eliminated in the play-in or the first round, and then they're done anyway. Like, there's only, there's only like six or eight teams max that could really look at the bubble and say, I'm going to be inconvenienced for a while. For a long <laughs> like, time. So I, I was like, I guarantee they're going to find some way to sign off on this because there's too much money at stake. If and you're a Washington them. wizard. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they were there. <laughs> I mean, let's take That's what I'm saying. Like you're, you're, right. 
They're you're like, a bull. If you're a warrior, you're definitely voting for it. This yeah. is money you don't even have to do anything for. I'm all for that at all times. Give me. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that is my, my, my goal. As a prof- I think as a, as, a, as a person is to be paid like one of these professional athletes oh. to not show up. Yeah. Oh, like I mean, he he is a wretched, god awful person. But good for Lou Dobbs <laughs> getting getting canceled today. He is making a shit ton of money for doing absolutely nothing. He may though lose some of that money in a big ass lawsuit. Yeah, but that's why he's. I mean, He's getting paid a shit ton of money for doing absolutely nothing. Ugh, it's the American dream. He's, he's finally achieved it. He's crying yes. about cancel culture and wiping his tears with hundred dollar bills. <laughs> but 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 it is important to remember though. Chris Paul is representing a lot of players around the league who might be in favor of an All Star game because it doesn't affect them one way or the other. You know what's what I've been thinking about a lot. In, in regards to the situation is, you know, we, we keep on hearing that we're living in this era of player empowerment, player empowerment, this and player empowerment, that, but what it really is is superstar empowerment, right? I don't think Lonzo ball and Brandon Ingram and, and Josh Hart felt particularly empowered during that stretch where they were trying to <laughs> trade them for Anthony Davis. Um, and what I find interesting now is that those same superstars who have been incredibly empowered. And by the way, it's, 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 it's great progress. I think this is a good thing. We're seeing it with Deshaun Watson. I think it's a good thing in all of sports that these stars can actually dictate the situations that they're, that they're performing in. That said, you have all of these role players who have been kind of used as pawns to allow for those stars to dictate the situations that they're playing in. And those same, those same role players are now like, Hey, go make us some money. Well, like this yeah. is great. <laughs> it's, and you, you, it's funny you make that comparison because like LeBron took a lot of shit for the China thing last year and uh-huh. he's not taking a strong enough stance again. Oh, you're a hypocrite. You speak out against injustice in America, but you won't say anything about China and you know, the, it's the, and all the, the money stuff and, and whatever. But part of the reason that LeBron was very careful about that was because he knew that, you know, taking X percentage, you know, shaving 15% off league revenues isn't fucking with his money. It's screwing with everyone else's. Yeah. Because LeBron, are, you know, LeBron made more, you know, in, in, in the last 20 minutes on the interest from his Beats purchase <laughs> than, or sale or whatever it was, than, than most of these guys are going to make. Yeah. And <laughs> by the way, which was back down, I think under like 60 today or something oh, like that. I hope everybody got out. Yeah. Um, like he listening. sell, sell <laughs> AMC <laughs> is not a growth business. Um, he understood, like his entire fortune on GameStop. <laughs> Put it all in red. Um, I'm laughing, but I'm crying on the inside. I like, you know, no, I'm kidding. But you, you, you saying, like, so he is sensitive to that though. He understands like, it's not just about me. It doesn't matter to me if the league re- loses revenue there, but it's going to take the mid-level down from you know 5.8 to 4.3, and that matters to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I got to be careful about that kind of stuff. This is a little bit different. This isn't, you know, this isn't all the money from China. This is a certain amount of revenue that they get from their broadcast partners and sponsors and stuff like that. That isn't insignificant because trust me, otherwise the league wouldn't be doing this. But it ain't that. And like you say, and you know both of you guys like he's this is bad for my team this is bad for me mm-hmm. i don't care if it's bad for the good or bad for the league that's it, it's it's an interesting spot to be in it's so clearly bad for the lakers 
you know, he he said he was planning on on getting a week to recharge. He's playing really hard. He's 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 playing like he's defending his butt off this this season thus far. And this is only months removed from that that literal year long season that they had last year. It was a calendar year of having to stay in shape yeah. and 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 having to, you know, to perform longer than all but one team, right? The only the, the Miami Heat, and we see the the state that the Heat are in this season. They've been a mess, you know. And 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 you look at the other teams that were in the conference finals. You know, Denver started out slow. Jamal Murray has not. Everybody thought he was going to, you know, kind of vault into superstardom, and he started out the season slow. He's been banged up all year, and and I forget who the the Heat beat in the they beat the Bucks, right? Uh, and no, was, they beat them the round before. They beat uh, Boston. Boston, I think it was, in the or conference. Toronto. Boston in the conference yeah. final, wasn't it? And it will either way. If it was Boston or Toronto, neither of those teams have looked very good so far this year. So we've seen the toll that it that that last season took on on all the teams except for basically the Lakers. Thank you. Well, uh, the Celtics is is Anthony. Be, it's not even just the teams. It's like you look on his own team. Yeah, you can make a very solid argument that Anthony Davis is still shaking Absolutely. off the 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 bubble. And Andy, it was funny. Like you know, I there's the you know, like LeBron has the best sense of time of any human being I think I've ever seen. He he knows exactly how many days uh, were in the bubble. He knows exactly how many days the Lakers had off. I think he had 71 days in the offseason. He knows exactly the five days he was supposed to have and when they were supposed to come on mm-hmm. the calendar. Like the guy knows exactly what is going on here and he's clearly pissed about it. As he well, should be. <laughs> it, it also, I mean, it, what it really sounds like, I mean, obviously this is stuff that's negotiated between the the players in the league and stuff like that, but it sounds like a lot of these guys thought that ultimately there wasn't going to be an all-star game. Like, mm-hmm. it, it feels to me like even a lot of these high-powered guys are genuinely surprised by this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they they knew these negotiations were going on. I think they, I think they even understand why the league would want to do it, like in terms of just the dollars of it all. Like, I, I think they get it. It just seems to me like a lot of these guys are really like, oh my God, like they actually decided to do this? Like, I know we agreed we'd talk about it, but like, I never thought they'd actually uh, land on something. Well, honestly asking this, is this the least powerless LeBron has been in his NBA career or the most powerless he's been in his NBA career? Like if he if 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 the union is just voting against him on this one and he's just gonna kind of have to go, like th- that has never happened in LeBron's career. Maybe since his like rookie season when he was drafted and had to go to Cleveland. <laughs> that you know that's a really interesting mm-hmm. question. Like, I guess maybe you could say the the least power it's felt like LeBron has had. Yeah. Since his rookie year, like you said, when you you get told what team you're going to play for, maybe the immediate aftermath after the decision, because clearly Team LeBron did not expect that reaction. Like mm-hmm. they they did not expect the type of negative reaction to the decision that they had. They 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 were thrown for a loop like that, and it took a while before LeBron could shift that narrative. So maybe like that's the least amount of power he's had between this particular thing you're talking about now with the All-Star game and getting drafted. But there has not been many times 
in the last 18 years where LeBron has not seemed, if not in charge of what's going on, pretty capable of steering things in a direction that he wanted. That, that's actually a really interesting way of looking at it. It's fascinating, and, and I think it's it's why we we got the quote from him that we got right where it was it was so like that's the 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 most unfiltered I think you're really going to hear LeBron on anything that isn't Donald Trump related, you know. And and I think I don't think it's a coincidence. This guy has has maintained just complete power over the situation, whether it was the way that he did his contracts uh, the the second time he was in Cleveland, right, with signing those one year deals. Now, now he doesn't even have that with the Lakers, though, you know, with with the relationship that the Lakers and Clutch have, he does maintain uh, a sizable amount of leverage with with the direction that the Lakers go in. But on this one, you know, it seems like the governors and Chris Paul and the rest of the players union kind of had this this negotiation and, and kind of sprung it on LeBron in a way that. I'm not sure he's right. (laughs) Right. Well, he sounded, he sounded legitimately surprised by it. You know, he sounded like, wait, what? (laughs) I planned for all of this and we're doing this now. Where is this coming from? Who loves Atlanta, Georgia? (laughs) Right. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I find, I find the whole thing really interesting while I think it's objectively the dumbest thing that the league could do right now. Is 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 hold yeah. it in a, an exhibition game that that doesn't hold any actual weight with the direction that the season goes in? Look, I I am not an all star game person. I think they are. You know, I, I don't care. I, I thought last year with the Elam ending was fun, and like that was the best way. That was the best version of that that I've seen in a while. I I have never cared about all star games, and I never will. I'm interested in who makes the teams. That's kind of a fun debate and whatever. But I I don't, I don't need to see the game in a non pandemic year. I I am not I am very sympathetic to the money thing. Like I, mm-hmm. I think it's all about time we we all got past this whole I mean this whole season is taking place mm-hmm. because the money is the important. whole bubble did. <laughs> yes. I mean, and because this this it's a ton of money, it's very important. And the players should I mean I absolutely go try to play because they have a limited window. And if you sit out two years or year and a half, that's you're never getting that money back ever, mm-hmm. and it's transformative money for all of these guys, even the ones who are making the league minimum. Um, so, I mean, I get all that. I'd argue, I do, especially the guys making the league minimum, right? Right, because I mean, those guys aren't normally in the league for particularly long, and they don't normally have opportunities to make six figures after that. No, and just think about how you know you're sitting there going, "It's not that much." But like, think about how much different your life would be if you could start off your early twenties. You fall out of the league in three years, or whatever. You played three years in the NBA. You played at the minimum. You fall out of the league, and you banked, you know, one point six million dollars. Like that is a good heads. It's not fuck you money that you can live off for the rest of your life, but it's a good start. I think. Yeah, I so, mean, everybody who who has any understanding of the financials behind blogging would say that that's chump change, but still, you know, <laughs> right. But not everybody can have a blog. Yeah. That's, the, that's not for a blog and a podcast. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, it, you know, I'm, I'm literally just rolling in, in yeah. insane amounts of money. You right are now. the original inspiration for the Scrooge McDuck. Gift. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
Anthony Irwin. <laughs> Just because home. we have similar body types, like that's literally it. They call him Mr. Money Pants because he literally wears pants made out of money. <laughs> um, I, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard just uh, said after tonight's game against the Celtics that the league uh, is putting money ahead of uh, the safety of the players. Um, you know, no, <laughs> noted rabble rouser Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Um, but what, what's interesting, though, like, uh, and curious to get your opinion on this, Anthony. We, we actually talked about this a little bit for the Land of Lakers podcast that Brian had mentioned that uh, just went live today. I, I heard uh, Brian Winhorst and Tim Bonteps and Tim McMahon talking on the ESPN Hoop Collective podcast. And want to make it clear, none of them were make because I, I don't remember which one. I don't, none of them were making the point that I'm about to lay out as a way of trying to lobby for the all-star game. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't trying to make this point as a way of saying, you know, I mean, maybe they should have it. I'm just, they were throwing it out there that I actually thought was an interesting point. Given all the testing that you know is going to go on with the all-star game and the rigidity of it and the frequency of it, you could argue that all the players involved with the all-star game might be at less of a risk to actually contract COVID or be exposed than all the other players around the league that are going to be left to their own devices, some of whom may be actually going on vacation. Mm-hmm. Like you could actually make an argument that those players might be in a, in a safer, more controlled environment. That being said, you still could argue that the necessity of it isn't there. And more importantly, players showing up to do this thing during a season like this, that's actually been really taxing anyway. Yeah. It's just dispiriting. Like, I mean, you feel for them having to do it because you know this season has been, it's been hard for them. It's just been difficult. Well, we've heard how many players and coaches, I know Stan Van Gundy was the loudest that I can hear or that I can recall of anybody really saying, you know, when we go on these road trips, we feel like the circus, right? We feel like you pull up to your hotel you're you're forced to stay in your hotel till it's game time. You go out and you entertain. You go back to your hotel. You hop on a plane and then you do the same thing the very next game. Yeah. And 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 then you know you would think, all right, we got five days. We can recharge. We can you know our bodies can can catch back up for for a team, especially like the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, the the Nuggets. You know, for those teams that played longer last year, uh, and and. And you get to, you get more time with your family. Like you, you actually that's a big you, part. You, you get you actually get to for those who you know who have kids and like Jared Dudley talking about having to spend as long as he had to you know in his book right uh, talking about how long he had to spend away from his kids. I I have Avery. She's uh, literally eighteen months yesterday, and I I don't know if I could have spent three of her first 18 months away from her the way that a lot of these guys actually had to in those situations. And, and you, you go from that to then immediately diving right back into another season. That's arguably maybe more difficult because the pandemic isn't any lower than it was last year. And, and you, you have, you're looking forward to this vacation and then all of a sudden, you know, you get an email from the league and you get an email from your union leader and, and they're saying, Hey guys, we had this really great idea. Just hear us out. We're going to play more basketball. Well, the the other thing that goes with this too, guys, is part of the appeal of All-Star Weekend is that it's a gigantic party. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff going on. Players who don't play in the game 
show up on all-star weekend because they network they build brand partnerships they're doing stuff you go to the the parties you go to the things like it is an event that people can go and enjoy and even if you don't really it's a it's a lot of work for the for the stars like they don't get a lot of downtime and all but like the game for for a lot of this is just sort of incidental it's a cultural happening it's a celebration of the nba it's all of this stuff that goes on with the game and the dunk contest and whatever it might be None of that is going to be able to happen. Mm-mm. You can't have the sponsor events. You can't have the clubbing, and you can't have all this other stuff that that traditionally goes with the game. So not only are you asking players to show up, you're asking them to show up and not do any of the fun things that are actually associated <laughs> right. with going and make guys want to do it. And like, there's no fans in the building. So if you're De'Aaron Fox, you don't get you know that that ovation of the first time you get introduced to an All Star. Like none of that is there. So what exactly is the is the incentive other than being a good soldier for the league? I can't think of one, yeah. you know, and, and, and now like it's tough because it's such a small percentage of the league. But those guys who are making their first all star appearance might not make another one. You know, for those for those guys, I can see those guys maybe pushing for this to actually take place. But outside of that, and, and that's only maybe a handful of players. I, I, you know, it, it's basically, it sounds like the majority rule here is, Hey, can you guys do us a favor and go earn us some extra BRI so that we can continue to rebound from, from the debacle financial debacle that, that last year was. And, you know, I, I find that a, a kind of a difficult ask. I, I don't know that I would, I'll, I'll say this. If I were one of those players who wasn't going to an all-star game, I wouldn't feel comfortable pushing for an all-star game. Like I, that I, you know, that's just kind of how I'm wired where if I am, if I'm not going to go and I'm going to have the opportunity to have a vacation while you guys go over there and earn me money. I just, I, I don't know that I'd feel comfortable asking people to do that for me, even while, as we joked about earlier, and it wasn't really joking because I really do want to make money without having to do anything, mm-hmm. which like is not that far from what I do right now anyway. But, you know, even while we say that like the American dream is to make a bunch of money and not have to work for it and have other people make me, you know, earn me money. This is one of those situations where I would kind of draw a line and, and, and take a more principled stance and say, I just, the, the the money that I would get wouldn't necessarily feel all that clean in my bank account. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I'm not as concerned. I'm not really as concerned about the all-star game when it comes to the safety risk of it all and the COVID risk of it all. Like yeah, obviously it does exist and people have to be careful, but I, I don't really think it's that much different than just conducting the season period. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think this is a lot to ask of the players and, and I beyond the money. And again, we've established the money matters. I don't know if the money matters enough to offset what a lot of these guys are going to have to go through, but it sounds like they're going to end up going through it and they're going to go through it very unhappily. Can I make one more point though about this, about the, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, last year's, last year's uh, all-star game was one of the most exciting all-star games that we have gotten, right? Because of that Elam ending. And, and we saw these guys like actually really trying at the end of the game and, and we really enjoyed it. It was super cool. Uh, but you also had guys playing like 15 straight minutes <laughs> of of like hard, you know, gold medal type 
almost playoff type intensity, you know, that, that, that these guys were really going at each other for that last bucket. And, and I believe it was Kemba Walker who said he didn't quite feel right after the all-star game. Cause he played like he shouldn't have, he, he had kind of a minutes limit and then he played those extra few minutes to end that game. So LeBron's going to be one of those guys who, if they do do that Elam ending again, mm-hmm. he's going to, he's going to say like, you know what guys, I'm, it was fun last year. Maybe next year I'll do it again. But but I don't want to be here in the first place. And well, what I'm not going to do is say like three overtimes. 0% chance you will get the type of physical output from players this year. LeBron and everyone else that you well, got last year. And, and remember, zero. Teron Lou's going to put him back in. And then, you know, LeBron's going to have J.R. Smith throw a bowl of soup at him again. Well, I mean, just going to stand there and pass the ball back and forth and let the clock run out. Like that's yeah. all that's going to happen. It wasn't just the heel amending too. It was the Kobe tribute. That was going yeah. on in that game, and nobody was going to dog it in a game that was being played in Kobe's honor. Yeah, and being played in Kobe's honor with fans there, with all of that. I mean, it's it's funny because I, I guarantee the league was looking to try to carry that momentum from the first genuinely exciting All Star game in God knows how long, but the specifics of this year completely tripped that up, and, and yeah. like. Like many things going on with uh, this year's All-Star game, it's going to be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so last night we we saw, Thursday night we saw the Lakers down by 12 at the, at the half, and they ended up winning, I believe, by 21. And they put, they, they stuck it into a gear in the third quarter in a game where Anthony Davis wasn't, you know, wasn't doing a whole lot necessarily in terms of at least gaudy statistical stuff. And LeBron for you know putting up 27, 10, and 10, that wasn't like the that seemed like a normal-ish LeBron game. Like he's playing well. He's LeBron mm-hmm. James. That gear that they put things in in the third quarter and into the fourth must have been incredibly discouraging to everyone else in the league. When you see what Kuz did and you see what THT did and all that kind of stuff. So I I, I want to get your thoughts just on that game generally and what you saw from it but then kind of project forward to if you are one of these other teams where do you think you you attack the lakers and where do you think you have a chance utah has won like 700 games in a row there are teams who think they can beat the lakers but you start there what 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 was the thing that stuck out most to you about the second half last last night i really thought they were going to take a, a a noticeable step back defensively this year right not having dwight not having even JaVale, you know, and his length and athleticism at the rim, I thought they were going to miss that. Not having Avery Bradley and the pressure that he can put on the ball at the point of attack. Uh, Danny Green is a very good positional defender, and, and, and not having him, I thought that was really going to show up. But that was as good, if not better, to defense than we saw from last year's team all year. And that was a really good offense with an MVP candidate, if not favorite to this point, in Nikola Jokic that, you know, I, I recorded with Adam uh, Mattis, who does Locked on Nuggets, and then he and I do Locked on NBA last night. Uh, and and, and he, even he was saying, like, that was a bad Jokic game. And he hasn't played any of those bad Jokic games to this point, you know. And, and it's just hitting that gear and and doing so. It wasn't just, you know, they had that 15-0 run at the end of the third but they gave up 35 points in the entire second half, half. To, the, to, the, to the fourth best offense in the NBA. And 
you know, they were missing Gary Harris, but he's not going to help your offense. He's a great defensive player, but he's not going to help your offense very much. And, and they were missing PJ Dozier, but like, nobody's going to, you know, it's like missing Kendrick Perkins in, in that one game seven that Boston fans love to bring up all the time. Uh, Daniel house for Rockets fans. <laughs> right, yeah, Dan, yeah. Right. Dan, Dan will house. Oh man. Some of the stories that came out of Houston from that, but detour, the, the thing that, the, the thing that really kind of struck me is I, that play that Schroeder made where he dove twice there at the end of the half. Yeah. And, and we didn't see an immediate response from the Lakers, right? Because they gave up that really lazy offensive rebound to end half and, and Denver goes up by 12, but like the, the, the way that the Lakers came out and defended and then followed up those stops with just incredible fast break opportunity after incredible fast break opportunity. And LeBron is, is pushing the ball and you're seeing this wave of Lakers coming at the, at the nuggets and they had no idea what to do with it. I don't know that any other team in the league has that gear in them. And, and, and if they do uh, it's not for as prolonged periods as the Lakers can put together. I mean, if you look at last year, by the way, uh, Jokic in the playoffs uh, going through his game logs, the Lakers did a pretty good job in all on him last year too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he still had, he still had a couple really good games and he's a really good player. He's, he's going to be a handful, but the Lakers did, on balance, a really good job. You know, I mean, I, they had. I, I, don't you think oh, that was, at least there was some concern, though, Andy, that like with with losing Dwight and losing Javale and some of that, some of that size, that a player like Jokic, if you're trying to find, okay, what kind of team could hurt the Lakers? Well, maybe it's a player like Jokic who has that kind of size and now mobility because he's you know skinny Jokic and all that. Um, could give the Lakers some trouble. And no, apparently, even it. it, it no, apparently not. I mean, to some degree, sure. But I mean, the truth is JaVale was a non-factor in that series. It was really Dwight. You know, it's like, how much do you think Dwight specifically mm -hmm. mattered in that series? And, and remember, Dwight, as the series went along, you know, got a little caught up in the antics. And, you know, mm -hmm. after a while, I was like, dude, settle down. Like, en enough of the shit talking and, and bad Batman jokes to, to Jokic. <laughs> Just settle down and play. But assuming you trust Mark Gasol, you know, to be able to offset, you know, the athleticism advantage Dwight has over him with just, you know, the dude is a load. I mean, Mark Gasol, when he parks himself in the lane, <laughs> there ain't much you can do with him. No, no. It, I, I wasn't necessarily that worried. I mean, I, under, I, I understand where that concern came from and it existed. I think it was more about just the Lakers downsizing their overall size mm -hmm. in losing you know, JaVale and, JaVale and Dwight and gaining only Gasol, like how much does just losing overall size matter? Like the Lakers last year were a physically imposing team. Yeah. This year, they're merely just imposing. Like, you know, how, how much does that actually matter? And so far, the answer seems to be not much. Well, I, I think one thing that we saw from the Lakers, especially in that second half, was they're Caruso and, and Schroeder has really, I've actually, Pete and I just keep kind of marveling because we thought the Lakers were getting this guy who was going to kind of inject some speed into the offense and, and add, uh, you know, a, a couple extra dynamics to, especially the half court and pick and rolls and stuff like that. Uh, but for the most part, I've actually been more impressed with him on the defensive side and how hard he works on that side. And, you know, so you have, you have his speed out there. We all know the team defender that Caruso is, 
Kuzma's trying as hard as he is, and THT was had, I think, the best game that he might have all year last night. Uh, and and the way that they were swarming Jokic and and swarming Jamal Murray when when they had opportunities to do that. And then, you know, either turning them over or just not how many possessions did they have where it got to like two seconds left in the shot clock and they had the ball 30 feet away from the basket. And you just say like, well, I, I guess I got to shoot now. And that's a great offense that yeah. they're doing that too. And by the way, the Lakers offensively weren't anything you know spectacular. I mean, no. for much of the game, um, I it just like you. This was one of those games, and we'll turn to the rest of the league here in a second. But like, this was just one of those games where you look at it and you go, "Yeah, I mean, obviously, any team could beat the Lakers. The Pistons beat the Lakers like in in a game, mm-hmm. but four times in seven tries. I, I just don't." not to be a prisoner of the moment here. I don't know who that is, but so, okay. Like how good are the jazz? Cause we're all, we focus on the Clippers and they're like, is there anyone else in the Western conference, Anthony, the UC having a, let's say 30% chance of beating the Lakers in a series. Assuming 30, everybody's healthy. 30, maybe the jazz just because of the way that they shoot the three point you know, from the, from the three point line, but 30 is tops, right? Like mm-hmm. thir- 30 is if you're the most optimistic that you could possibly be about the Utah jazz is, is you give them a 30% shot. The problem with Utah is their wings defensively are Joe Ingles and Bojan Bogdanovich. And that's not going to scare LeBron at all. You know, he, he's looking at them and it's just like giant pieces of barbecue chicken that he sees in front of him, you know, and, and we've seen how many years of Rudy Gobert getting played off the court in the postseason. And, and every year it's the same thing from Utah Twitter and Utah jazz Twitter. Oh, this year's so much different. Look at what he's doing in space and looking, look at the field goal percentages that, that he's allowing this year compared to last year. And it's like, yeah, that's the regular season when he's playing on any given night, Jeff Teague you know, or, or, you know, somebody like that, but in a, in a, in a seven game series where you have LeBron James able to scout your defense, scout your offense, and you have Anthony Davis as, as the, the center point of, of that. It's, and I say center point on purpose because he's going to play more center in the postseason. when the Lakers really flip that switch and look, their most imposing. It's because AD is at the five and, I just haven't seen anybody who can who can match up with them on both sides of the court. Like Brooklyn can score with the Lakers, but they sure as heck can't stop them. Uh, the Clippers can can give the Lakers problems defensively, but I don't know that I would say I would go out of my way to say that I'm all that nervous about their offensive ability against the Lakers. So. Yeah, I just think on both sides of the court, I said this at the beginning of the year, and this was one of the things I was kind of I wanted to get your thoughts on because you guys have been covering this team for for longer than I have. I think this is the most talented Lakers roster of my lifetime. I'm 34 years old. I'm not counting the Showtime years uh, because I was I was born in '86, right? So their last championship there was '88, and I was two, um, and and I'm not going to go ahead and 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 count those teams. But three Pete Lakers back-to-back champion like Kobe Powell teams. I think this is a better roster, not better team because we don't know how this, this season has gone, but I think this is a better roster well, than well, any I, of those years. I, I think, and I, I got, I think I, I made a couple people angry last year talking about this, but like the pairing of Anthony Davis and LeBron James 
is better from a just a pure talent standpoint yeah. than Kobe and Powell because yeah. LeBron is better than Kobe mm-hmm. and Anthony Davis is better than Powell. So you put those two things together and, you know, in, in the NBA, Andy, where talent is the, the deciding factor in everything, you know, two guys, one guy, two guys, three guys can have an outsized impact. When you have those two guys, assuming AD plays like he did in the playoffs last year, that makes them better, I think, you know, just on a talent level than the teams Anthony's talking about. Yeah, I mean, the the Kobe Powell team is interesting just because, I mean, even if you want to say that LeBron and AD is a better duo than Kobe and Powell, and I'll concede that argument, you know, just to move this along, Kobe Powell is still really damn good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. But then what I was going to say is if you you go from there, you know, it starts becoming a question of what do you think makes a team more loaded? Like Lamar Odom, Andrew Bynum, Trevor Ariza, or Ron Artest versus the next three guys on the Lakers. But either way, you could make the argument, I I think, even if you don't know yet if it's the best team of your lifetime, Anthony – this this may very well be the most loaded roster that you've ever seen the Lakers have, re, you know, regardless of how this thing shakes out. Mm-hmm. Like just just the amount of talent and options on this team. And like, you know, like last year it was LeBron and AD and then a bunch of role guys that you largely just expected stay in your lane, don't try to do too much, don't do too little. Mm-hmm. These two guys can handle the rest. Nobody else is really being asked to do that much. There, there had been some hope that DeMarcus Cousins maybe could re- regain form and be that third guy, but it didn't end up happening because he didn't play. There was some hope that Kuzma could maybe be the third guy. He ended up not playing that role, and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. This year's team, though, has more pure talent than last year's team, and this year may just be the most loaded since those Kobe Powell's rosters. And, and, and Anthony, just uh, I'll let you jump in here a second, but like just to Andy's comment about guys being in their lane and staying in it, their lanes are better. Like Kuzma is in a better lane this yes, year than last year because he doesn't have to, he's not relied on to be a guy who puts the ball on the floor and creates his own shot. Cut, you know, shoot from the outside, and he's actually making them this year. You know, make yourself available on the move as a cutter. Go play with energy and do that kind of stuff. And it's actually THT who's doing the things that Kuz was sort of thought of to do last year as that third scorer, um, go get a bucket, put the ball on the floor, get to the hole, that kind of thing. And he's better suited for it than Kuzma was. So like not yeah. only, you know, the, the lanes are better for everybody. Well, it's, it's you know, the way I kind of look at it uh, is last year you had, to, to, to Andy's point, you had a whole bunch of guys who – all you're asking is don't make us worse, right? Like just, just, just please just, just, you know, fill your lane and allow LeBron and AD to be as special as those guys can possibly be this year. You actually have guys who on any given night can make those guys better, right? Make mm-hmm. the Lakers better. Montres Harrell can go for one of those nights where he scores like 22, 25 points. And, and like we saw it, who was it against? Oh man, I forget which game it was. But he, uh, I think it was a Bucks game. Yeah, it was a Bucks game because it was Connaughton for for uh, that 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 uh, Milwaukee kept kind of putting. He kept winding up on on Harold in isolation, 
And I believe it was uh, Chris Weber who was calling that game as, as the color commentator. And he was saying, Oh, this is, there's just bullying Connaughton. They're just, they're putting, they're putting Harold in isolation and Connaughton has no chance whatsoever at guarding him in, in space like that or, or, or that close to the basket. And, and Harold legitimately went out and made the Lakers better. Schroeder's going to, Schroeder's going to have games like that. Um, on, on occasion, uh, Kuzma is capable of hitting four or five three pointers and making the Lakers better and not just filling his lane, but enhancing his lane and enhancing the team. And, and I don't know how many role players Lamar was like that with the, the back-to-back teams. Uh, but I, I don't think the Lakers during the three-peat era had any role players who could like enhance what the Lakers were doing on any given night. This is just a very, it's, it's, it's a fascinating team because for so long we thought the goal is to get a big three and, and to have three stars on your roster and then hope to fill it out with enough guys who are below market value to, to, to make those guys as good as they can be. But because the Lakers only have two of those guys and they could afford to go out and, and, and really kind of spend on, on upper tier role players who are still below market value, albeit, but still like this is, this is, I, it's, I am of the opinion my entire career has been made by setting low expectations and clearing them. Like that's, that's all I have done from, from day one. And, and this year I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's just ask Jen, like all, all she asked for is like, Hey, can, can Avery be upright when I get home? And I said, I got you. That's, I, I have that covered. I look at a woman, control (laughs) your baby. And, and well, that's what I say to our dog, you know, Mm -hmm. Callie, wrangle avery um and and so i gotta do a podcast (laughs) exactly and and, but uh, this year i had no problem whatsoever saying that this is the best team in my lifetime and 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 by the way i've seen nothing to this point that would dissuade me from 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 that line of thinking i i would say really quick before we get to i know we want to shift to trevor bauer um signing with the dodgers Mm -hmm. i think it is conceivable that the clippers the celtics and the sixers could beat the Lakers in a series, but I would put my money on the Lakers in all three cases. Yeah. I just I think it is conceivable with those three sure. teams. I can, th- I mean, I can conceive. I can think of about five teams where I'd be like, okay, I could see that. I wouldn't mm-hmm. bet on any of them, and that includes you know the Clippers and Bucks. So, yeah, I think we have to see where JJ Redick shows up. And I know Bradley Beal is is you know putting out there that he doesn't want to leave Washington or whatever. But if if the if the right team gets desperate enough, like if Denver, for example, gets desperate enough, Michael Porter Jr. played twenty minutes against the Lakers. If they basically say, "Hey, we really want to go for it this year. We want to try to maximize this." Here's Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., a couple picks, and and they go into a series against the Lakers with Jamal Murray, Bradley Beal, Jokic, and then the rest of that that kind of core. Uh, that's a team that I could see the right kind of things going for in in their favor and, and maybe surprising the Lakers. But but there isn't a single team that I would I would comfortably put money on against the Lakers. I should have included the Bucks too. I, again, would take the Lakers in a series against them, but should have included the Bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. Since people mention the Nets on the chat board, I don't buy the Nets. Just the Lakers, but I can I can conceive of the Nets winning. And like I, it's it again. I wouldn't. Nope. <laughs> I cannot conceive it. I have a I have a very vivid imagination though. Do you think we can do you think we can score on the nets? Like do you think if the three 
I mean, I will say this. If the Nets beat the Lakers in a series, it will be every game will be 153 <laughs> to 149, which, by the way, would be batshit crazy to watch. And I'd love it. Yeah. I mean, that would be fun. All I, of I, I, I'm into that. I'm here for that. All um, of their games since Harden showed up has been like cocaine fever dreams. They've oh, been yeah. so I'm, great. I'm not <laughs> so much fun. I don't enjoy watching them play. I'm just saying I don't think I do not think they could beat the Lakers in a series. I actually don't believe it. As opposed to those other teams I named, where I don't think it would happen, but I think it could happen. Mm-hmm. I do not think it could happen with the Nets because yeah. they are just that bad defensively. They- they are struggling. Um, so the Dodgers today kind of shocked the world a little bit here by signing Trevor Bauer. Um, the contract is really, I mean, it's essentially kind of a two-year deal, I think, is really what it's designed to be. It's worth $102 million. It's got opt-out after uh, year one and year two. So Bauer's going to make $40 million this year and $45 million next year. Um this is a, this is a, an interesting one for La- for Lakers fans for Dodgers fans because on the one hand, um, Trevor Bauer is by far the the best free agent pitcher available uh, mm-hmm. right now, and you know the Padres have made some moves and they've done some stuff, and um, you know everybody wants the Dodgers to just kind of keep getting better to keep that gap between them and the rest of the league as large as possible. On the other hand. Bauer, as Andy has been pointing out, we had a long text conversation about this, isn't as rock solid a gamble or a bet as other sort of ace type Cy Young winner mm-hmm. style guys or whatever, and is uh, kind of an asshole. Not kind and of. And <laughs> has a legitimately disturbing uh, couple series of incidents uh, where he is. Um, I think legitimately could be seen as bullying women online. Mm-hmm. One was one you was were a Dodgers fan. Yeah, you your first words you said your parents said were Dodgers. Go Dados. Go Dados. Yeah, I. So this is the first time, like all of my. I, I come from. I, I grew up in Orange County, in Yorba Linda of all places, Richard Nixon's birthplace. So it just I'm it was, family to kick around anymore. It was a tough, it was a tough, <laughs> it was, a, it was a, high school was amazing is what I'm saying. Um, but the, all of my friends are basically angels fans. And every time the Dodgers do anything, we're like, well, the, the, the response is always, well, you guys just go out and you buy world series. You finally went out and you paid enough money to get a world series. At no point do they bring up the fact that like Clayton Kershaw's homegrown. Uh, at no point do they bring up the fact that Walker Bueller is homegrown. Julio Urias is 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 homegrown. Uh, the only one, the only like name, big name players that they went out and got was Mookie Betts, right? And and uh, and yes, they paid a bunch of money to keep him here, but you know the it, every other team in the in the uh, major leagues would have made that trade because Boston went out and, and decided they wanted to be below the the tax line. So with that said, this is the first time as a Dodgers fan where it does feel like that. And I think a lot of it has to do with the kind of person that Bauer is. Uh, It's hard to to have any kind of moral high ground given the stuff that he's done online. Um, Look, I'm I got to be honest, I'm Mexican. I I and he went out and 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 very happily tweeted that he was in favor of the wall and 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 all of that stuff and and that kind of stuff like that just it's going to rub me the wrong way because 
I, I just think that stuff is is offensive and and, and un-American, quite frankly. Yep. And and so like it, in in that respect, it's tough. That said, like for people who come from different backgrounds and and just look at this as another opportunity for the Dodgers to go out and win a World Series, you know, people compartmentalize things all the time. Like Michael Jackson still gets listened to, and Kanye West still gets listened to, and. It, that's just kind of how things go in, in the entertainment industry. And uh, for me personally, all I can say is that I, I felt kind of gross about the set, about the signing because the guy, he went out and, and dunked on this girl for days on end, like days and, you know, sent his fans to her account. And, and this was, she didn't at him. She literally just tweeted like she, he is her, her least favorite athlete. And he spent days attacking her online. And that's just, that's just terrible human being behavior. Mm -hmm. That's just not the kind of thing that you do. And, and, uh, and the fact that this guy is now, I believe the highest paid pitcher in baseball, just in terms of highest paid player. Yeah. Probably player. You it's know, a monster contract. I mean, yeah. it up. I mean I'm just sure in terms of like average <laughs> income per year. Yeah. For the uh, next few years. So like that, I don't know. It just it just says a lot about where we're at that that guy gets to brag about that and and the fact that the, it's the Dodgers who give him that money. Now, does he help their chances of winning a World Series? Yes, he's a Cy Young winner. He has incredible stuff. Uh, and and there are some who would I'm not amongst them, but there are some who would argue that his bullying his bullying would would give him in 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 uh advanced ability to to do that to batters and and not care from a human being standpoint of about embarrassing people uh at, at the at yeah, in the batter's the box. kind of position people take when they just want to justify his behavior that's i agree total reach i, I there are no i i'm just saying like that's what i've gotten in my mentions today i know i'm just <laughs> there are plenty of pitchers or like clayton kershaw is an incredible human being. <laughs> like, I don't even know if he actually has a Twitter account. Clayton Kershaw is perfectly happy to embarrass every batter that he yeah. ever faces. He doesn't go around Twitter bullying. Look, at the beginning of the of the sort of the this, you know, kind of really you know, the, the the kind of the mass understanding, I think, of, of the Me Too movement, There, there's always this section of people who say, you know, well, look, you know, now every, you know, one accusation, this, that, one, two, whatever, you know, the, the, these people, it's like, well, yes, most of us, like, I, I do not mean to discount the possibility of people, false accusations and what that can do to your life and this and that, mm -hmm. whatever. I, I, these are, is a real consideration, not as real, I think, as the much more prevalent problem of people being assaulted or being abused yeah. or being, you know, uh, you know, sort of being put in, in harmful, abusive workplace environments, whatever it might be without being able to do anything about it. But the vast majority of men do manage to go through their lives without being accused of mm -hmm. harassment or assault or all these things, because you can, you can like, it's, it's possible. <laughs> so like, you know, the idea that Trevor Bauer, you know, is somehow, you know, that some of these people end up, you know, somehow it's, it's not fair that they, it's like, no, you can be Clayton Kershaw and be just as good as Trevor Bauer and not screenshots are right there. Time. Like it, it, it's not accusations. The screenshots are right there of he's what he's done. He's just, he's just, he, you know, you come at me, I'm coming back at you. 
with my yeah. 160 million followers or whatever it is against your 800. Yeah. I, I don't even think the, the, the girl who said that had 800 at the time. It was, I think it was five or 600 people. You it was something stupid. I mean, it, who it's, cares? Just, it's, he is a, I, we, in a much less consequential way. Andy and I were talking about this the other day with Shaq, like people who punch down because they can, like yeah. that says what you need to know about the guy. Um, well, also, also it says a lot that like he, he knows that the people who follow him, his like hardcore fans like that about him. Oh, think yes. about that. Like that, how, how gross it has to be that this guy, his compartmentalizer or, or, or contextualize it. Like, all right, these people like me because I'm a dick time to go out and be a dick, you know? I mean, look, people get addicted to the the applause. There, there are people who love the applause and don't care if it comes from the cheap seats. And, you know, we've seen them rise to very high levels um, <laughs> yeah. in this country. What, what's interesting, though, um, with Bauer is he's got like that, you know, like that barstool mentality in terms of like, you know, warring on Twitter and like, you know, you say anything about me and – not only am I going to go at you, but in this case, Trevor Bauer literally did this. I'm going to send my followers at you on my behalf, like that sort of thing, like this very aggro bra type approach mm -hmm. to his online persona. But he is apparently like an analytics wonk in the way that he approaches baseball. Like he, he apparently gets deep into the numbers and uses that stuff in terms of the way he's tried to reshape his career over the last couple of years. And it should be noted, he's had two really good seasons. Mm -hmm. The rest of his career has not been particularly special at all. Like he hasn't been awful, but he hasn't been anything close to an ace other than two years. One of which was last year shortened and weird. And also like, and this is stuff I just learned going through some articles about uh great name for a book, by the way. Shortened and weird. Last year, shortened and weird. I think that was actually the name of Jared Dudley's book. Yeah. <laughs> that just came out about the bubble. Yeah, like it's 40, 41 pages. That's not a book. But <laughs> no, it's kind of a it's a diary. It's somewhere between like uh well, it's a white novella. paper. It's like somewhere between like a novella and a really long magazine article. I will say this though, he Michael Lewis Vanity Fair article. He read it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he read it uh himself for his audiobook. Yeah. Uh, and it was real he was like a really good charismatic I, reading of it. I I, I I enjoyed it. I say this with all respect and appreciation for Jared Dudley. Of course he did. <laughs> no way. Anybody else was going to do the voice of that book than well, Jared Dudley? I think I think like Amazon as a like as an option will if your if your book is going to do well enough they'll just like have somebody do it for you and and it's not like somebody you choose like Jeff Perlman's book um, the the uh, Lakers one about yeah, shacking yeah. the the shack yeah it's a great book um, but he didn't he didn't read it himself it was somebody else that I think Amazon like hired and. And the reading wasn't very good. I'm I'm a big audiobook guy. I I, I you know I like the ability to listen to something and do other things. Yeah. I'm more for book listening. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was elected to lead, not to read. <laughs> for, for someone like you, Anthony, like how much does it mess with your your fandom? Like mess with your experience of rooting for the Dodgers because 
Unless you really want to just thread the needle where the Dodgers somehow end up winning the World Series, but Trevor Bauer gets lit up every single time. <laughs> like, you, which look, this team is deep enough. Maybe they awesome. can actually do it. Mm-hmm. But you are going to be rooting on some level for Trevor Bauer's individual success. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of the reality of this. Like, is it going to be yeah. one of those? Where you feel like you need a shower afterwards? Like, how does this work? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm a sweater, so I I need showers <laughs> regularly anyway. But but Even the, the best of circumstances, <laughs> right? But the so the way the best way I would kind of put this is it's it's the kind of thing if they were winning their first World Series, it'd be a lot easier to just get behind them and say, just win, please, just win. You know, again, I was born in '86. 88 was the the last world series. So for me, it was, it was, I don't care because it's not like the Dodgers roster is devoid of problematic individuals, right? Julio Urias had that, had the accusations of, of, of what he went through. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so it's not, it's not like, you know, it's, it's all angels on that team. And even like right after the win, right? There was the controversy of Justin Turner, COVID positive, Justin Turner, running back onto the field and, and being incredibly selfish and putting him around a cancer survivor in, in, in uh, Dave Roberts to, to celebrate with his team. So last year was a lot easier to just get behind him and say, just win, please. Just, I, I just want to experience this once this year. It's different because I have that in my back pocket. And, and this year, you know, while I'm obviously going to be rooting 95% of me is going to be rooting for the Dodgers to win when Bauer starts, I if he gets lit up, oh well. <laughs> just don't don't just don't get lit up in game that, seven, that is, is all I'm the, asking. The luxury of, of okay. the Dodgers signing Bauer is it's very rare where you could take the the you know the, you know, the Cardinals just picked up Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's you know, where Andy and I grew up and, you know, the you know, first allegiances and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's hard to be like, if for some reason I hated Nolan Arenado, it's hard for me to hate him simultaneously and hope the Cardinals win because if he sucks, the Cardinals aren't going to win. Trevor Bauer could have a terrible year, just terrible. Mm-hmm. And the Dodgers could still cruise to a world series. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is possible to thread the needle here to root against Bauer and root for the Dodgers, but it—it's—it's it's just it's a fascinating. We it, sports is not the only place where we compartmentalize. We do it with musicians, mm-hmm. we do it with actors, we do it with anybody who does has a skill and a talent and and a craft that we appreciate and enjoy. Um, but it's it used to be, I think, something that was nobody paid much attention to in in sports, especially. And now you get much more of it um, mm-hmm. in football with concussions, in 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 baseball with domestic violence, or you know, you're a bullying, or just a guy being a, a kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it, it's getting harder to do those things because we realize we probably shouldn't have been to the extent that yeah. we were. Yeah, I I I think so. I, I think just generally. While like, I can understand, I think a perfectly reasonable stance for sports fans nowadays is would I prefer that the players that I root for be good human beings? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, 
what a fan is going to do is root for the thing that brings them the most happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, the, what, what, what brings me the happy, what brings me the joy, what, what allows me to escape my life for a little bit. And, and, and now like there are obviously lines that you don't cross, right? There, there, are, there are things that even the, the, the fan who is the most loyal to their team and the most wants to just get away from societal issues and all of that and just focus on their team. There are still things, Kurt Schilling, for example, a tremendous pitcher and all of that stuff. And enough people at this point have said, that guy is a terrible human being. He rooted for the insurrection. That guy should not represent anybody in the Hall of Fame. And I'm perfectly okay with that. You know, uh, it's just, you know, for 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 this Dodgers team, baseball is kind of a unique sport too, right? Because individual performances doesn't always have the greatest impact on, on like Mike Trout is the best player in a long time. Angels have been terrible for a really long, basically the entirety of his career. So like you said, Brian, the title, (laughs) they should try it. They they really should knock until you try it. Angels fans. (laughs) That's what's always gets me. Is that like, if they bought a world series, it's not like they would say like, Oh, we spent too much money on this team. Like nobody would ever say that. But the but if if I would prefer that all the Dodgers be saints and and all the Dodgers be good human beings and all of them be Clayton Kershaw's. But at this stage, I think we know that there's a percentage of people out there, and it's going to be pro, it's going to be represented in sports too, where there are just dicks out there, and if they happen to be on your team, then they happen to be on your team, and you got to try to find a way to thread that needle. And, you know, like we saw it, we've, we've Jason Kidd is sitting on the sidelines with the Lakers, you know, and there's a whole bunch of people who are, I was very uncomfortable with the hiring and not just the hiring, but they made him the highest paid assistant coach in, in basketball. That was not something that I was particularly thrilled about as I'm teaching my daughter about basketball. You know, this team that I love seems to not care that much about that. You know, and and if she asks me about it, I just got to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the, like we were talking about before, this is some this compartmentalizing is is something that we do in life, whether we're talking about with sports, whether we're talking about with entertainment, whether we're talking about in the workplace. Often, you know, maybe not to certain extremes, but you often have to tolerate coworkers that you know you genuinely don't think are particularly good people. Sometimes you have to do it with family. Yeah, just, just ask Pete. Because- yeah, exactly. I mean, Harrison, same thing. Those God. guys had to work with me. What those guys put up with. But, you know, like <laughs> it happens. Like, you know, sometimes you, I, I can speak from personal experience. I have tolerated certain behaviors from family members that I would not tolerate from anybody else. Yeah. Does that make it okay because they're family? No, but you mm-hmm. end up doing it specifically because of that reason. And it doesn't feel good, but you end up doing it. Yeah, I like my both my parents are are ardent conservatives, ardent Trump supporters. And does it make Christmas awkward sometimes? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, it, <laughs> the occasional pandemic, you guys could get around it this year. You know, <laughs> the, Anthony, surely if politics didn't make your Christmas as awkward, you would. So <laughs> I mean, it's it's like it's what I go for, really. Uh, like, but but you know, that said, am I going to cancel my? Am I going to like not? allow my parents around my daughter no you know that's not it's not an option it's easy it's really easy to tweet that you know and i see all kinds of people tweet that like if you're down with that guy then i can't be down with you as a human being it's like yeah that's it's a lot easier when it's not your folks 
Sure. You know? <laughs> and and yeah, it's just, it, it's kind of the situation that some people find themselves in. I just, I, and I way down the rabbit hole, but like, this is, this is an argument that, you know, I live in California, live in Southern California. Uh, most of my friends are, are liberal. Most of my friends are probably a little more liberal than I am. Most people would consider my, most people that I went to high school with and grew up with consider me pretty damn liberal. Um, mm -hmm. that is one place where I routinely just can't go with people like, you know, yeah. F you, you know, you voted Republican, you voted, I just can't do it. Um, yeah. and so, and I, and I won't, but, um, for Lou Dobbs, <laughs> Lou Dobbs, my problem with Lou Dobbs is not that he's a Republican. It's that he is batshit fucking crazy. <laughs> Did you see that? I saw a clip going around today that he was, he was like thanking Trump for our ability to have a nice weekend. <laughs> what? Yeah, so that's an old clip. What that's kind of clip. North Korea stuff is that? That's, that's insane. But Lou, Lou Dobbs, Andy, there's another thing Andy and I were joking about today. Lou Dobbs believes shit about the like the election and Donald Trump that even Donald Trump doesn't believe. Like, yeah. Donald Trump thinks that Lou Dobbs is a little nutty about this stuff. Like Lou yeah. Dobbs and the pillow guy, like Trump puts them off and like, you guys need to slow your roll a little bit. I mean, sure, I'll take If anything, support. he's like, hey, you guys got to be quiet. I'm getting sued. <laughs> you guys gotta stop we lost stop talking about it yeah it's yeah. it's a lot of this stuff is just, just complex i i was kind of curious with, with with the whole because again like i i i grew up in and and have covered sports in this relatively shorter window and and this kind of I don't know, transition to caring more about guys off of the field is, is kind of a new thing. It's a newer revelation. Have you guys noticed that like over, over the course of your guys' time covering sports? Like, is there a time where you notice that transition where it started? Because it's, it's, it's not, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I've really seen it kind of go into hyperspeed over the last like five, six years or so, but I don't recall caring that much about it when I was a kid. Can you rephrase the question? I'm not, I'm not totally sure I understand what you're so, asking. So like the, the, the idea that, you know, with Trevor Bauer, for example, do you think the conversation about signing Trevor Bauer would be the way that it is right now, 10 years ago? Do, no. do you think people would have no. cared about the, the off field stuff the way that they do 10 years ago? And I'm kind of curious, like when you started maybe, to see not, that not, transition. No, no, not, you know, it's maybe with certain guys um, who, you know, committed, you know, I remember like, you know, Leonard Little who was the, the played for the Rams, you know, and, mm -hmm. and killed somebody in a drunk driving accident. Like what to do about him? Like that, mm -hmm. there were, there were, I mean, people talked about this stuff. The difference is people talk about it in like different, like nobody cared like the the stuff with uh oh god i'm blanking on his name the the pitching coach for the angels that that came up this week oh mickey something uh yeah the that guy and mm -hmm. uh you know what happened callaway. With, what are you talking about callaway that guy yeah mickey callaway thank you and the guy with you know the the, the porter with the, with the mets like nobody cared about the stuff like vis-a-vis -vis women i i, I mean, here's the way that's i would the biggest transition i think is like that type of behavior was just nobody would even think to ask or care. I think that's the biggest change. I think I remember, I remember with Ray Rice, that video came out and the Ravens were like, Hey, uh, you can trade in your Ray Rice jersey and get a Terrell Suggs jersey, who no saint, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I think 10 to 15 years ago, to sort of put it in the framework that you were talking about, Anthony, like 
there would have been conversations about guys if either they had off the field transgressions, like stuff that was, you know, more or less criminal, you know, or more or less legal issues or stuff that people thought would affect the team, you know, like, like the Kobe Shaq feud, things Mm -hmm. like that, like guys who seem to have issues in a locker room, their behavior that didn't fall into one of those baskets. No, that really wouldn't have been. It took something like, Colorado, which was just high profile and incredibly serious mm-hmm. to kind of penetrate that bubble. Got it. Uh, yeah. But I, I think generally speaking, player behavior that didn't fall into a basket of criminal or something that could really affect the team as opposed to, okay, this behavior may not affect the team. Like Trevor Bauer's online behavior may very well not affect the team at all. Yeah. But it's being covered because people have said this is inappropriate. People shouldn't be acting this way. Like I think that's the difference. Yeah, it's interesting. The only reason I ask is because like I, I I'm kind of curious what what started the transition. And I kind of wonder if it was just social media that more a lot more people had voices in this thing yeah, and they could right. say they could say like, yeah, congratulations. You guys got a really good picture, but the guy's an asshole. Social media, um, you know, the Me Too movement, I, I think just societally we've been moving in different directions that at least toler, you know, at least just blanket tolerance mm-hmm. for that type of behavior is lower, even if it's yeah. not right again. And what people reaction from the either the crowd of people who just don't care enough, want to defend their turf, want to defend their privilege, want to defend the, you know, the, the, the existing power structures. Like, oh, nobody, we used to, never used to be a big deal, but it's like, you know, the the part of what this is, is now caring about things that we should have been concerned about. Yeah. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, these are things that should have bothered people 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And we'll, we'll, we'll go here when I'm time to get all the way into this, but you know, the biggest difference between the way the Bill Clinton impeachment and, you know, Monica Lewinsky would have been handled then versus now, then it was a sex scandal. Now it would have been a a power scandal, a a power Mm -hmm. dynamic abuse scandal. And it would, and, and people would have seen it for really what it was, which is, this the sex part was the least important part of that, as opposed to um, the, 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 the power, power and, and that were in play there. Um, yeah. This, I believe, will be the subject of the next Locked On Lakers. <laughs> well, also, <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I think we also need to point out like a giant difference is is the the it's a much more diverse media, and and the people who are covering the sports, you know, a lot more women. Are are covering sports now than there were ten years ago, and they are they've done an incredible job of speaking up and and being yeah. a voice for for those victims out there. Look, I'll be totally honest. Um, I had either forgotten some of Trevor Bauer's behavior or was not aware that it actually happened, just because baseball is not my primary sport, and you know the Cincinnati uh, Reds and the Cleveland Indians are often none of my business, but (laughs) when Trevor Bauer got signed by the Dodgers, there were a lot of female reporters, Molly Knight, uh, Kavitha Davidson, Mm -hmm. you know, other really good reporters who brought this stuff up that again, I'd either forgotten about or didn't know. And I'm glad they did. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I was, I was, I was responding to a comment from somebody on the, on the chat board who was, I don't entirely understand what he's saying, but it may be something with the broadcast. So I'm going to tell him to email us at 
uh, KamenetskyBrothers at gmail.com and explain what's happening. Because if it's something just, that's bad, I can fix it. Or you try guys just to gave it. me your email. That's another avenue it's to get our, in touch with you guys. It's actually posted that, on our Twitter. That's page. the public one. The private that's one. The uh, uh, we will never give out publicly or even just to the likes right. of you, Anthony. Anthony, Anthony Irwin. Irwin. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anthony Irwin uh, is the host of the Locked on Lakers podcast, um, which you get five days a week, and it is awesome. Uh, Lakers fans, everybody should be subscribing to that thing. We have a banging lineup next week, uh, starting with Zach Harper on Monday. We'll do some a lot of movies uh, and some basketball. Ben Lyons is going to join us for our 100th episode. Whoa. Anthony, we've done 100 of these. Independently. Uh, independently. Since uh, leaving awesome. the station. And uh, so that's Tuesday, Wednesday, Chris Johnson, um, and Thursday, Ricky Cobb, who's the Super 70 sports guy, and then Claire DeLune on Friday. Really great lineup of dudes uh, and women coming up next week. And even got some people lined up for the week after that. Like, we're on, yeah. a, on a roll. Yes, we are. It's yes, a great product. I'm, I'm always really excited when you guys tell me that, hey, we have a, we have a spot for you. Just I, I, I get really excited about coming on this. Well, in, in 2024, when we invite you back, <laughs> <laughs> when the next spot opens up for you. The year of uh, Kobe. Yes, exactly. All right, man. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Appreciate it. Don't you need a lot.